Well, good morning. Our scripture this morning is going to come from the Old Testament from 1 Kings chapter 19. You're welcome to turn there with me. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read a few verses starting with verse 3. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Lord, we thank you for your word that even now is moving around us and through us and in us. And we pray that by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit, we would be able to receive the word that you have for each one of us this day. And gracious God, I pray now that you would take these simple words of mine and that you would turn them from water into wine. Gracious God, taking the simplicity of my words and doing a miracle with them here in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I love that, that we can um, go to the Revised Common Lectionary and, and the, it's, it's a, a set of readings through the whole Bible that over a three-year cycle and it's used all over the world. Christians all over use it. And, and so I was, um, I was looking at the lectionary for this week and I came across this little nugget here in 1 Kings 19. And um, I would venture to say that probably most of us have not read that lately or have it as one of those favorite stories, right? It's probably not your favorite go-to. But it's possible that the part of Scripture just before it is one that you probably know. So let's go there first. So Elijah is a prophet of God, right? And Elijah has found himself um, the last prophet of God. Because at this point in time in Israel's history, um, the king that was ruling at that point is King Ahab. <clears throat> His wife, you'll know her name, Jezebel. Yep, yep, it was, it was her time period. And so they had killed off all of the prophets of God, except for Elijah. He was the one that remained. There had also been an extreme drought, years of drought. And so here's poor Elijah, who has been just jeered 
ridiculed, fearing for his life. He's the last known prophet of God, right? <clears throat> They're going through this drought. All the people are, are leaving God and worshiping other gods, um, specifically Baal. Now, now Baal has 450 prophets at that point. And so Elijah is told by God that he needs to uh, set up this little scenario. So go with me here, right? So, hey, hey, Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, hey, all 450 of you guys, how about we have a little competition to see whose God is real, will actually do anything for us. Uh, let's each um, uh, create an altar and we're going to each sacrifice a bull. But the thing is, you can't bring any fire, okay? Your God has to do that part. So here they are, right? Here they are, they are they're up on a mountain. All 450 prophets of Baal are, are there and they get to go first. And so they start praying that, that Baal will, will bring fire upon their sacrifice and it'll be good. And this is not like a short little five minute prayer. Like this is a long, <laughs> this is a long time, right? Because, because they, they're, they're trying to get something's attention to be able to bring fire upon this sacrifice. So they're praying, they're singing, they're wailing, they're crying. I mean, you, I mean, can you imagine? Well, you know what a stadium full of people sounds like, right? This is 450 people, doesn't even come close to a stadium, but they are lifting their voice as loud as they can. And, and oh, Elijah, he was poking them a little bit. Hey, maybe, maybe you're not loud enough. Maybe your God's sleeping and can't hear you. Oh, they just are erupting, right? And they're doing everything that they can think to do. They even start cutting themselves and, and, and giving like their blood as part of surely their God will, will see and hear and bring fire upon their sacrifice. Just nothing was happening. So then it was Elijah's turn. And Elijah says, before I even begin, I want to, I want to build, dig a trench around the outside of this sacrifice. So, so they, they dig this big trench. And then he says, hey, I need you to go and get jugs full of water and pour it over top of this sacrifice. Not only over top of the bull, but over top of all of the wood. Right? Here it is flowing down. What, I don't know where, where are they getting water. There's a drought, but they do. They get water. They bring it. They dump it. He says, that's not enough. Go get more. So they go fill up these jugs again. They dump it all over, over a second time. They do it a third time. Elijah says, a third time. So here is this sacrifice set up, drenched with a, with a trench of water around it even. You know, you probably know fire doesn't do so well with all that water. But then Elijah prays. He stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 
Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell upon that sacrifice, burned up everything it could possibly burn and quenched every drop of water. There was no hour long prayers. It was immediate and God showed his power. If that weren't enough, then then all of the prophets of Baal, the 450 were taken down to the river. They were all killed. They were all gone. But remember there was this drought. There was this drought that was still happening. And Elijah looked at King Ahab and he said, you better get in your chariot and head for home because rain is coming. No, really, get in your chariot and go because it's coming. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, but King Ahab took off. And then Elijah went back to his knees and he prayed and he looked and he prayed and he looked and he prayed and he looked seven times and there in the distance was this tiny little cloud. And before long, the sky was black and the heavens opened and rain poured on the land. This is one of my favorite parts because Elijah, who was still up there on the mountain, as soon as that rain started, he got up and he started running. And he ran so fast that he outran King Ahab in his chariot who had taken off beforehand. God showed his power in sending fire down. God showed his goodness and faithfulness in bringing rain after a season of drought. (laughs) But then um, King Ahab went and told Jezebel what happened. And Jezebel sent word to Elijah. And her word was something like, I know what you did, you're next. And that was all it took for Elijah, who had just withstood the killing of all the other prophets of God, who had realized he was the last one standing, who, who was present and witness and, and saw how God answered his prayer in bringing fire, in showing his mighty power, in then bringing rain and revealing his goodness. The threat from Jezebel was too much. <laughs> and Elijah was like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I can't. I can't do it. I can't handle this too. I know, God, you're good. I saw it. I witnessed it, but nope, I'm out. And that's where we started reading our passage today. Elijah saying, no, no more. I can't do any more, God. I can't do any more. And and Elijah runs to try to save his life, but in the process, finds himself in the wilderness under this broom tree, under this broom bush, 
giving getting just a small little bit of shade, but in that shade laying down and saying, God, just take me. Just allow me to be like all of my ancestors. You can just take me now. Just allow my life to be over, God. I just don't know how. I just don't know how I can do it anymore. And, and at that point, I thought, you know, we know how that feels. I thought, you know what? We know God's goodness. We can testify to, to the miracles that happen in our lives and in this world. And, and we, can, we can look outside and see the beauty of God's creation and recognize God's power and God's might. We can, we can speak to how God has brought healing in people's lives. We can, we can shout hallelujah for the way he answers our prayers and, and brings us work and all of these things. And then one thing happens and we're like, yep, nope, I'm out. I'm good. I am. I can't do this right now, God. I cannot handle that. I cannot handle hearing one more time about this, whether it's something, you know, that we hear on the news, if it's political something or nationalism something or, or, or just how we, we can't even be nice to people anymore, right? And, and we're like, God, I, I just can't deal with that. Or, or, we, or we hear how that person that we thought was healed and, and now they're now they're in hospice or something. And it's like, come on, God, I just can't. And we go looking for a little relief and a little shade, just a little comfort somewhere, just backing off of, it's just too much. Even though we know God's good, even though we know God's faithful, even though we've seen it and we've declared it ourselves. And we just go running we just go running for the shade from that broom tree. We go running. I don't, I don't know if you've been watching much of the Olympics. Oh, we, we've had it on pretty much constantly, just kind of in the background. And, and uh, two days ago was the women's marathon. I thought, oh, I'm not, I don't really care to watch a bunch of women run for four or five hours, right? How entertaining is that going to be? So it's just on. We're just doing our thing. And, and then uh, we start hearing how, you know, a marathon that, I don't know, most people would run in four or five hours, those 26.2 miles, you know, nine minutes a mile. That's kind of average. But we're hearing that, that these women are running like just, just about six minutes a mile. Like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. It kind of piqued my curiosity. So we're paying a little bit more attention all of a sudden, right? And of course, there's always a pack. You know how that goes, right? Right. In any kind of race, there's typically the pack that's in the lead. And, and you can see how many people are there. And then as time goes, people kind of dwindle off a little bit. And so the pack gets smaller. And so that was interesting to kind of watch that. And and we were about halfway through and they were like, yeah, we're an hour in and, and it looks like they'll be done in two hours and 30 minutes. And it's like, what? This is okay. This is interesting. This is fascinating. So now I'm really paying attention and I'm hearing them talk about how the race was supposed to start at 7 a.m., but they pushed it back to 6 a.m. because of the weather conditions. Well, what are the weather conditions? Well, it was 78 degrees at 6 a.m., all right. 
but the humidity was over 80%. I, I know none of us <laughs> enjoy that, right? So here they are running. They're running at at least six minutes every mile. And they're doing everything they can, right, to, to help themselves. So, so, you know, there's always water stations along the race, tra- the race route. And so, so they're getting the water, they're pouring it over them. They're, you know, with humidity, it's harder to, harder to cool off because because it just keeps the moisture right there. So they're, so they're not only drinking water, there's also bags of ice. And so they're putting like ice under a hat if they're wearing a hat or like in their shirt to just try to help keep them cool so they can endure this. Because this is, this is a lot on their bodies. Not only the race, but the heat. And then they, it was really interesting because here's this pack running, but all of a sudden they would kind of spread out a little bit and you'd see them moving. They were moving to get to the shade because they're running on, on the streets. And, and so there would be certain points where they could find shade, but they had to switch sides of the road to get to the shade. And, and the commentators kept saying over and over again, it's just enough shade to keep them going. It's just enough shade for them to continue. It's just enough to give them the, a little bit of, of rest that they need to keep going. It's just enough shade. And, and Elijah found himself with just enough shade He didn't find some big, grand shade tree. You know, the ones I'm talking about that are so big that you can cool a house (laughs) in the shade of a good shade tree where you can feel the wind blow and you could sit there all day and just enjoy the shade from the shade tree. But that's not where Elijah found himself. He found himself under a broom tree. What good is that? Well, it was just enough shade. It was just enough. Because in the shade of that broom tree, he was able to receive moments where he could rest. Not only that, but then he was then provided by God food and water Not once, but twice the angel of the Lord woke him and said, eat, eat and drink. You need this. He was told that he needed it for his journey. His journey. He didn't say, here, take food and water. You'll be fine here under this tree. No, that's not where he would end up. There was more to come and he needed to take that shade, that food, that water to be nourished because it would be just enough to get him where he needed to go. It would be just enough. And that is the amazing thing about this broom tree There in the wilderness, there in the desert, a broom tree even today is known to be the wood that will burn the longest. It's this tiny little, tiny little bush tree thing with spindly, dry looking 
branches, but it's what you want if you need that energy. And, and it's not the best tasting, but if you need that nourishment, if you are needing some kind of sustenance, chewing on one of those roots, it will give you everything you need. It will give you everything you need to sustain you. And I know that sometimes it feels like we just can't because the drought's been too long and we just can't do one more thing. We just can't have one more, one more thing happen or hear one more time. But I'm telling you that our God is more than enough. Our God provides just what we need. And so while it may not feel like you're under a great big shade tree where living is easy and you can rest for a good long while, it might feel like you're just sitting there next to a broom bush. But I'm telling you, it is just enough. It is just enough because God will sustain you in that and get you exactly where he needs you to be. So what good is a broom tree anyway? It is just enough and it is just what we need. Let us pray. Holy God, you are good, you are faithful, and we declare that today. We thank you that in your goodness, in your grace, in your faithfulness, we can proclaim the greatest things that you have done. And we can also declare that even in the times that we feel like we cannot endure, you have just enough for us to sustain us to where you are leading us. So God, we trust in you. We trust in Jesus. We trust in your word. God, we pray that you would put a hunger and a fire and a desire within us to know more of your word. That, that a day won't go by, that we won't have some uneasy feeling about needing to open up our Bibles to be able to spend a little more time with you. Because God, sometimes that is, that is just enough. It is just enough so that you can get us through. So we put all of our trust and all of our faith in the one true God whose power and majesty and goodness is more than enough for us. In Jesus' name, amen.